0: Church Downtown is a community of people striving to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that you're inspired by the following message to know the love of Jesus more deeply and to follow Him more passionately. For more information about our church, this message, or about being a Christ follower, please visit us at churchdowntown.org. Hey, guess what? We pulled this out last week, um, and uh, we started talking about uh, so some giving things that we're excited about as we get into this uh, new space. We got some new projects in front of us, so we laid some of those out last week for you. So these are kind of our markers. Um, our first thing on the list was we're trying to get some things knocked out in the children's ministry, some carpet, maybe even potentially some more walls back there, um, but we have some needs, and we're we're excited about what is going on, and uh, so I wanted to give you a little Update this week, um, we had some money come in for our children's ministry, and I forget how this thing works, but I'm going to grab something and and pull, Uh, and the whole thing's going to come down. So, watch this. Okay, not only did $25 come in, I keep 26, no, I won't. Uh, This week we had come in $2,000 more for our kids' ministry. So, yeah, so we're getting close. That first, now let me tell you, we're like $3,700 or something like that, or 45 is our mark to get to, to get that first segment done, to get everything knocked out in the kids' ministry that we need. So thank you for your generosity. Um, some of the next things, uh, in, in the next couple weeks, um, we'll put a little something up on the board or make a slide so you can see what our markers are. I forgot to do that for you, but... Um, Anyway, we'll get, that, we'll get that rolling for you next week. But uh, we're excited. Thank you for your generosity, church. God is doing great things. And we're, um, we're ex- ex- just so excited about what he's been doing, what he's going to continue to do as we trust him. And, uh, man, great things are happening. We've been in this series, Stretch Marks. So we've been in the, um, oh, listen. Do you hear that? Did you hear it? Those are our kids having fun. Isn't that cool? I love being in this space because I couldn't hear them having fun across the street. And, you know, at the Visualite, if they were that loud, that would have been pretty bad. I, sometimes we would get complaints from neighbors at the Visualite because we were a little loud, which we were, which is fun. Um, but uh, Hot Walk has not yet complained about us, so uh, we're okay here. Um, but I love this. There's, there's action, there's activity. I love that. I've been in churches and you go in and it's just dead and lifeless and boring and you can't hear a pin drop in the whole place. I like laughter. I like crying. I like fun. Uh, Good crying. Tears of joy and and graciousness to God. But sometimes it's tears of brokenness. But we hear our kids ministry celebrating back there and having a good time. And they get to hear our loud music as we're having a good time. So it's cool to be part of this. We started this Stretch Mark series um, at the beginning of the year. So I'm not going to catch you all up. If you want to get caught up, jump online and you can go to churchunited.family, because we're a family, not an organization, churchunited.family, and you can find out all about uh, the the sermon series, and I encourage you to jump on there and listen. Um, We're having a great time just worshiping the Lord here. So we've been in this series and we've been talking about the life of Elijah and what's been going on. And I heard a couple of people last week, like I left you at a cliffhanger. And it was like, what's going to happen next? And the one uh, wife poked her husband and said, I told him it's in his Bible. He can read it this week if he wants to. Um, Like uh, there's no spoiler alerts on this. You can read ahead and and you're more than welcome to. Um, But we're in the life of Elijah. And we left last week where uh, Obadiah and Elijah were were together. And it was this call from Elijah to Obadiah. Obadiah to really for Obadiah to step up his faith. It was like, okay, here it comes man, Um, you got an opportunity not to live in the past and not to allow what you've done for Christ in the past to drive you, but allow you to step forward and begin to say, God's using me right now, it's my opportunity God's going to do it with or without me but he's inviting me into the story and Obadiah had to say am I going to step up my faith? Am I going to allow God to use me as a part of his story? So we said last week, you may be missing today's blessing because you're living on yesterday's faith. And we have to be real careful that that's not how we're operating our lives every day, that we're remembering what we did in the past, but we're not living right now in the present for God and allowing God to use us. So we talked about that. You may be missing uh, today's blessing because you're living in yesterday's faith. What God? What is God calling you to do today? How's God getting you involved today? And one of the processes of that was we said, okay, first thing you can do the step up to begin serving is get connected here at the church so we uh, talked about growth track it was pretty cool we had I think uh, I, I don't know the exact number but roughly 30 35 people that came through growth track this morning uh, first class of growth track um, which is cool and you say what's growth track join us next week and, and you only have missed one week and that'll be okay um, but we meet in that room if next week all of you showed up we'll just meet in this room um, but because we couldn't all fit in there but um, we're gonna have a good time just talking about the, the The life of of, uh, Church United, what God's called us to do, how God is calling us to move forward and how we can do that united together. So we see this, people stepping up right now in this church, which is so exciting to me. Now here's, I'm just going to pause for a second because i got to say something. Sometimes it bothers me. Tyler, it may bother you a little bit too. Ready. You don't respond. Uh, You know, Tyler responds. He shakes his head. He's always smiling at me. I really appreciate that, Tyler. The rest of you, sometimes say something and you're just like, eh. Maybe inside you're like, "Whoa!" And sometimes you tell this after church, like, I'm blowing up inside. Blow up outside, you know? Let's get going here. Let's get excited. God's doing great things here at our church. Yeah, respond, Yeah! We're excited about what God is doing. So, we have to get. you know, I, I'm going to just wind down. I, I get louder and louder, the quieter and quieter, just because I feel like I'm the only one. I've got to do something to get you excited. So if you want me to quiet down, well, I don't know if this would work. But you could try it. I was going to say start clapping, but I don't know if that will work. Anyway, I'm just loud no matter what. But I'm excited. God is doing great things. There are people that are saying, I'm not going to live on yesterday's faith. I am going to plug in. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to see what God has for me to do right now. And God is doing something new here. So we left off with Elijah and Obadiah. And, and basically it came to Obadiah and needed to go tell King Ahab that Elijah was here and wanted to see him. And if you don't know the backstory of this, Ahab, wicked king, uh, and, and God brought a drought to his land. Elijah delivered the bad news about. About that Elijah was a prophet of God. Ahab was not following God and was leading God's uh, people, the Israelites, in a, in a very bad direction, um, worshiping other gods. And Baal was one of those uh, gods that they were worshiping. And uh, we'll look a little bit about that into that today. And uh, so Obadiah was a, pro- was a servant of God, though, so he was afraid that if he went and told Ahab, he said, Ahab's going to kill me. Um, and Elijah said, hey, God's got you. God's got this. Just be obedient and do what he tells him to do. So if you have your Bible, I am going to begin reading. And we got a lot to read today. So uh, I, I've got a few points that I want to make along the way. But I want you to jump in here with me in or, uh, 2 Kings chapter, 1, Kings, excuse me, 1 Kings chapter, 18. And we are in starting in verse 16. So basically we ended and Obadiah said, okay, I'll do it. And Elijah said, go, go get her done. And uh, that's probably not quite what he said. Uh, That's not how it said it in Hebrew. But um, verse 16, so Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come. And Ahab went out to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so... Is it really you, troublemaker of Israel? So uh, Ahab's calling Elijah, the servant, the prophet of God, a troublemaker. Uh, He doesn't recognize he himself is the one causing the problems. That's a message right there. Uh, Just all on its own. I'm not even going to stop there, though. Um, Maybe it's you. Okay, just just so you think through that. Okay, verse uh, 18, and Elijah says, I have made no trouble. For Israel, Elijah replied, you and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commandments of the Lord, and they have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal. In the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. Now, just to give you a, a, a picture of what this is, Obadiah's big claim the fame of his step of faith in God was that he hid about a hundred prophets of God in caves. So really, all the prophets were, were out of the picture right now. Elijah doesn't, and you see it in this passage and, and moving forward, Elijah doesn't even believe that there are any other prophets, even in existence. He thinks, I am the only one. It's just me. I'm all on my own. So Elijah is now calling this big meeting, and, and can you imagine you being you, um, and, and maybe you're the only one in, in your school or whatever, your workplace, however that goes, that's serving God, and everyone else is totally out of against god and you say hey let's get all everyone in the school together and i'm gonna everyone in the workplace let's gather up and there end up being about 850 of those against you and you're the voice of god you're the prophet of god so that's a that's a big deal that's a stretching moment for elijah just to say the words okay bring them on because the truth is they're looking to kill him and now he's gathering everyone together. He's making his presence well-known, where he's going to be, when he's going to be there, all of that. It's, it, it, it's a security nightmare. Um, you know, he's, here's, here's where I'm going. This is where I'm going to be. This is the route I'm taking. Show up. So he's not concerned for himself. He's concerned about carrying out the mission of God. So 800 of them, 850, show up. Verse 20. Ahab summoned all the people of Israel. So it's not just the prophets. Come on out. It's going down at Mount Carmel. When I was in elementary school, or high school, excuse me, there were always fights at the cemetery. I don't know why. I guess that was, you know, a, like I'm going to bury you. I'm not really sure. But you get the word going around the school after, you know, it'd be like, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so are going to fight. And I remember we had these two kids in class. I'm, I'm on the internet. I'll say there. I will just say, use first names, but uh, this kid Eric and this kid Matt. And Matt was uh, both of them were my friends, but they liked each other. They were friends, and Matt was always a big jokester. And it started going around school that they were gonna have a fight. Oh, it's going down. Matt and Eric are mad at each other all day long. You'd see them passing in the hallway. He's gonna get you, man. Gonna get you. We showed up after school, which, you know, I, I just wanted to be there to pray for them. I didn't want to see the fight. Uh, that's, that's what I do. Uh, but uh, we, we went up there. We were all at the cemetery. And there's like a couple hundred kids. I mean, it was like half the school. They're all gathered out. And the two, the, those two guys, And you know, it was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I hope no one gets hurt. Um, and uh, so they're all gathered up, and it was like this this Mount Carmel moment, like it's going down at Mount Carmel, you know, and uh, they're all at the cemetery, and, and all of a they're both over there, and they're, you know, ah, I'm going to get you, and they're yelling profanities at each other and stuff, and, and I was praying for them, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, and then all of a sudden it was like okay okay I'm coming and uh, you know and then they ran at each other and started doing like WWF professional wrestling and all the kids you heard a just a just a sigh of just such disgust like I'm so disappointed that this isn't a real fight they had like two hundred kids out there and they're like clothes hanger, and uh, he falls down, oh, you know, and he gets, uh, and, and, every, and I'm laughing, I thought it was the funniest thing ever, and uh, and all the other kids are like, dang it, oh man, and they're walking off all disgusted, And uh, but that's what it felt like, it's, it's like the cemetery after school, Mount Carmel's happening, it's going down, and, and everyone's gathered around to see the big square off between the prophets, the prophet of God, the prophet, the one prophet of God that's there, and the 450 prophets of Bethlehem. Or however that went, 850 of Asherah, the whole gang all together. And they're all there, and the whole thing's getting ready to go down. And in verse 21, it says, Elijah stood in front of them, and he said, How much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. So he's speaking to all of Israel. And you have to understand what's happening here. Israel are the, the, the nation of Israel, they're God's people. They're God's people. He selected them. He chose them. He goes the whole way back to Abraham. And he said of Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And God, if you follow throughout history, is is proving something through the children of Israel that's true to us today in the church. That is not just about Israel. It's about Jesus coming. And he said, everyone's part of the family through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're all my chosen people. But he was proving something through the nation of Israel to see so we would understand today what it looked like if we would just follow God and live in the blessing of God, and walk in obedience to God, that we would see what it looked like if we would just fully commit ourselves to God. And God, throughout history, would totally bless the nation of Israel over and over and over again. But the nation of Israel kept getting sidetracked. And these are God's chosen people. So here is Elijah standing up in front of this whole nation. And he says, you're God's people. What happened? How did you get so far off? God chose you. God selected you. God picked you out and said, I want a relationship with you. And I will bless you if you follow me. I will pour myself out on you. I will do all these things for you to connect with you, to love you, to keep you secure from other enemies if you would just follow me. I love you. I desire a relationship with you. I want nothing more than to be, allow you to be in my presence and take in the blessing of God. But yet... They didn't want this. They were pursuing the things of the world. Baal was an interesting god and, and it's actually pronounced uh, Baal if it's kind of like Ja, uh, uh, what's Superman's dad's name? Hmm? Jerrel. Yeah, it's kind of Jerrel Baal. Um, there's, you know, I'm not saying anything about Superman's dad, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> But it's like Baal, but we're we're American, so we'll, we we mess it up. So we'll keep saying Baal. Um, that's fine, Baal. Uh, that's how we say it around here. Um, but uh, so Baal was an interesting god because. Baal's known for kind of being agricultural God. So in that time, in that area uh, where they lived, everything was based on crops. Uh, like if the rain doesn't come, we're destroyed. So Baal was actually not just a God, like an agricultural God. Specifically, he's the God of rain, the God of storms. He's the God of lightning. So it's very interesting that if you back up three years prior, God comes in and he sends his prophet Elijah to go to Ahab, whose wife Jezebel brought all this worship of Baal into this area and said, you need to worship my God because you're so dependent on agriculture, you're so dependent on rain, everything growing. My God's the God that pushes all this stuff. If you get in tight with him, you'll be all right. You'll see the rain come, the crops will be fine. It's got all these promises of worshiping another god, and Jezebel convinced Ahab that's what he needed to do, so now Ahab has turned the whole heart of the nation of Israel to this god Baal, and they're worshiping this god because they felt like he might have an edge on their god, the god, the king of kings, the lord of lords, and they got a little sidetracked, so they thought, oh, maybe this god's, god is covered with the, because we need to eat, we need our crops to grow, then God uses Elijah, and Elijah steps in, walks up to Ahab and says, hey, by the way, my god's bringing a famine to the land no rain so your rain god that you think is real that the rain god you want to worship pfft, i'll tell you who's in control of the weather i'll show you who's in control of agriculture i'll show you who's in control of storms it's my god so for three years they've had to do some pr behind the scenes to promote bail because there's no rain And Jezebel continues to want them to serve this God. But I'm telling you, about this time when God sends uh, 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 Elijah back onto the scene, I can imagine the people of Israel are pretty fed up with Baal. Because he says he's the God of rain, he's the God that can bring the storm, but nothing's happening. We're starving, we can't get anywhere, we can't eat, we can't drink, we, we, we don't have anything left to survive on. So when Elijah has this whole horde of Israel, the Israelites and all these prophets standing in front of him, it's the moment of grand embarrassment for Baal and the worshippers of Baal. And Elijah calls him out and he says... How long are you going to waver? How long are you going to choose to worship a God that is not responding to any of your prayers or cries? Choose today. Pick. If if you want to worship Baal, worship Baal. If you want to worship God, worship God. Without having to prove a thing, I think he already had it proven for him that Baal had no power. But Elijah doesn't stop there because God wants to show his power and his might. And if you've ever wondered in your life, if you've ever thought, I'm going to go up against God, I don't recommend it. Just don't. And some of you may have been there for years and years where you thought you knew better, where you've tried it on your own, where you've tried to get there on your own, and you're going to say, I know better. I'm going to follow this thing. I'm going to go after that thing. I'm going to do this or that. It doesn't work. And God will go to great lengths to show you who he is. And to show you his power and show you his might. And show you that in the name of Jesus there is power. So this is a great story. How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. And the people were completely silent. It's a lot of contemplation going on, but their silence is very condemning. In verse 22, then Elijah said to them, I am only a prophet of the Lord, the only prophet of the Lord who is left. He doesn't understand all those other prophets are out there. We'll see that again later and get into that. But, But he says, I'm the only prophet left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls, and the prophets of Baal may choose which, uh, which one they would like to cut into pieces and lay on the altar, but without uh, setting, it, uh, setting fire to it. Then I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood of the altar, but not set fire to it. And I'll ca- you call in the name of the Lord your God, I'll call them on the name of my Lord, and the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Sounds like a good deal. (laughs) Now, it it may sound unfair, but you have to remember, this is a shot at Baal. Because not only is he the God of rain, he's the God of lightning. So if he wanted to send a little lightning crack down on there and light that wood on fire, have at it. He's got the power to do it. You are worshiping him. You think he can do this? Well, let him do it. So he challenges them, and then the circus begins. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you you go first, because there are many of you. Elijah's like, I'm the grand finale. (laughs) You'll want to see the fireworks God puts on display. You go first, there are many of you. Choose one bowl, prepare it. Call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls, placed it on the altar. They called on the name of, the, uh, on the name of Baal from uh, morning until noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. They danced and hobbled around the altar that they had made. And about noontime, Elijah began to mock them. You'll have to shout louder. For surely he is a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming. Or maybe he's relieving himself. That's a great line. (laughs) Or maybe he's away on a trip. Or he's asleep and needs to be awakened. By the way, this is not a good evangelistic tool. If uh, if you're gonna go hit the truck stops with the students, the one of the things you don't want to say is, "Oh, you don't believe in God." Well, go ahead and call out on your God. Maybe he's sleeping. Uh, no, d- please don't do that. Uh, that's not how it works anymore. But but Elijah had a, a voice from God, this direct connection from God, and 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 he really got the troops riled up here. They were pretty they're pretty angry. Verse twenty eight. So they shouted louder. And following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. And they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there's still no sound or no reply or no response. This is what I think is interesting. I read this and I immediately think, nothing like this happens today. Like in our culture, I mean, this this raving thing, this acting fanatical, going crazy, all the stuff that goes on. We we wouldn't do that. It sounds ridiculous to us. What kind of God would we ever worship or serve that that, that would cause us to act like idiots and rave around? Have you ever been to a sporting event? Do it. We... I remember. I, I looked up some pictures of like. Uh... Super Bowl, people dressed up for the Super Bowl. Not you, Rachel. You, you, you were okay. You weren't that much of a fanatic. But people painted their faces. People with their shirts off in the stand. And we wonder in our culture, how, how does this? This can't be right. No one does this kind of stuff. But our gods may not be called Baal. But we have these gods. We have these things that we worship. We have these things that we bring into our lives. And we will do anything to feel connected with the God of sports. With the God of money. With the God of entertainment. We will go to great lengths making ourselves look like big idiots. In order to try to connect with something searching for something, looking for something. And this was the picture we see here. So fanatical, so sold out, that they would do anything they could. And it reminds me in here of what's happening in the book of James. In James chapter 1... It reminds me of what Elijah said. He said, don't, don't waver. If you're going to serve God, serve God. If you're going to serve God or Baal, serve Baal. And in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if you need anything, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But listen, when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. So we begin right here and we just stop for a second and we start thinking to ourselves, okay, if I'm going to have this, uh, this relationship with God and I want God to be who God says he is and I want to believe that he's got all power, all strength, all might, I, I begin to pray and I begin to say, okay, Lord, I, I, I need you to do this for me. And we begin to pray and we don't get answers from God. Because all of a sudden, the only reason we're seeking the relationship with God is because we want something out of the relationship with God. We're not seeking it because we want the relationship. And he says, when you ask from God, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Listen, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea which is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you've ever wondered why your prayers seem like they fall on deaf ears, and you're praying for God to do this for you or to do that for you, and you just feel like God hasn't answered, I would say you need to begin to question the words of James in your own life and how it applies is to say that, is my faith really in God alone? Or have I divided my loyalty between God and the world? If I, if I wanted to put one foot in the world just enough to get into the, all the stuff that culture's doing, all the things that I think are cool, to binge watch whatever I want to watch on Netflix, to check all that stuff out, to build my bank account, grow my retirement fund, make sure I have security in this earth, make sure I understand what's happening here, and I'm going to be partially invested here, but I don't want to miss out on maybe some other blessing that God has for me because maybe the world's just not quite enough, but God's got some cool things that he wants to offer too. So now I'm just trying to straddle this fence with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, and I'm expecting all the blessing from both areas. And we wonder if we lack wisdom, why is the wisdom the thing? Because if that's your view, you lack wisdom. And if you want wisdom from God, you've got to have to make sure your faith is in God alone. And when you ask, do not waver. says, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Unstable in everything they do. That's a pretty strong indictment. Because if our goal in a relationship with God is what can I get out of that relationship, we've missed the essence of serving the master and today i just i I want to remind you that you can't waver and if you're not where you need to be in your relationship with god and things aren't going the way you want you may want to question am i wavering are my loyalties divided between god and the world and i'd say it this way don't waver savor the flavor of serving the savior don't waver. Savor the flavor of serving the Savior. You can say that with me. Is it up there? Hey. Okay. Ready? Don't waver. Savor the flavor of serving the Savior. Oh, that's nice. That's sweet words. Serving the Savior. That says your loyalty's all in. You're a servant of the King. I'm not, just, I'm not trying to beef up our children's ministry here, although that would be nice if you wanted to serve him in that capacity. But all the other ministries. But I'm talking about every day, everything you do, that it's in service to the king. Because when you step out of here on Sunday morning and you act this picture, basically, you walk out that door and you cross this line and here I'm in God's territory and now I'm in the world. If that's your attitude, this is where I serve, this is where I get this is where I serve. This is... no, listen. Every day is service to the Savior. How can I serve my Master today? How can I please my God today? How can I walk after my Lord today? How can I make Him everything? How can I not waver? The best way to show that you're never going to waver is the service of your Savior. So, so don't Savior, So don't, don't waver. Savor the flavor of serving, the Savior. So here are these fanatics. They're just bouncing around. They're showing who they think their God is. And they are all in for Baal. And they're making themselves look like fools. In verse 30, Elijah came to the people. And he said, come over here. All of them crowded around as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. And he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord and then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about 3 gallons he piled wood onto the altar he cut the bull into pieces he laid the pieces of wood pieces on the wood uh, laid the pieces on the wood and then he said fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering in the wood okay this is so significant in so many different ways. Number one, it's just a let's stick it to them. Just a, a, little, a little bit further. There's, there's that measure in here. The, the other thing is it's a drought. He's calling them to take their precious commodity of water that they have very little of and just dump it out. And what you think you have and what you think you're going to hang on to and I'm just going to grasp this little last piece needs to be dumped out in an offering as an offering before the Lord because it doesn't matter what you think you have apart from God you have nothing And whatever you're grasping and whatever you're gripping, it doesn't matter what your situation is. You just need to say, God, okay, I don't have any health left. I can't hold on. It's all yours. I'm just going to throw it before you. God, I've got no money left. Whatever I've got left is yours. You've got absolute control of this. I've got no time left. Whatever I've got, however I can do this, you've got it, Lord. If you require more of me, even though I don't think it's there to give, I don't care. I'm going to hold it loosely. I'm going to dump it out before you. It's an offering before you. Whatever you're thing is if you're grasping your family if you're grasping your children if you're grasping your spouse or relationship issue I'm telling you you got to hold it loosely you just got to let go of it and you got to say God you're in control you're in charge this is yours I can do nothing about it and he said to these guys just just dump it all out I can imagine them standing around saying why are we doing this what a waste and someone's saying well if it makes them look like a fool we're going to do it and they're dumping this water around the offering, around the altar. And after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. Okay. It probably had to hurt a little bit more. They're dipping a little, I don't think we have much left. And then when they were finished with that second round, he said, no, do, do, do it a third time. And it said the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench that he had dug out. And as usual, and as the usual time, at the usual time, for the uh, evening offering, sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar. And he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all of this at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know you are God. And that you have brought them back to yourself. I love this prayer. You've got the prophets of Baal for hours on end. Chanting, raving, cutting themselves, dancing around, making themselves look like fools. Calling on their worthless, empty, non-existent God. And you got Elijah, takes all of his time preparing his offering for the Lord. And God knows his heart. God knows where he's at. He doesn't need a long prayer. All he has to say is, God... Answer this, not for my glory, not to vindicate me, but so people will know who you are. And the question is, is that why we serve? Are we serving so people will see us and notice what we do? Are we serving so that people will give us, yeah, look at how talented he is. Look at how great she is. Look at how awesome she is. Or are we serving, f- uh, just, j- just giving Everything that we have, pouring it out on the altar of God regardless of what we think may be happening or what's going to happen afterwards. We're just doing this because we are excited to serve our Savior and we want people to be pointed to Him. I want to tell you that's what this church is about. That's my desire. I could care less that we're a new cool church in town. we got a cool space at the mall. space is a pain in the butt. There's a lot of work that has to go into this thing. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. (laughs) So many of you have poured yourselves out putting in this, but it's not for us. It's not so we can say, look at me. It's not so we can say, look at what we've done. It's so people can see Jesus. So we work and we work and we work and we work so people can see Jesus. And here's what I love about this prayer. And he says, answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and you have brought them back to yourself. Everything that's happening is so God can get his nation back, so that God can prove to his people that he loves them, that he cares about them, and that he desires relationship with them. And this is what we have to understand. When there are issues in our life, when there are problems in our life, when there are things going wrong, when all of our life feels like it's falling apart, we have to begin thinking, why is this happening? Maybe it's because God wants to bring you back to him. Maybe because your mind has gone somewhere else for way too long and God's saying, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm going to bring a drought into your life. And then I'm going to bring someone along. So that they can show you that your eyes need to be on Jesus. What is that? It's the love of God. Chases us. The love of God will never abandon you. He desires you to be back with him. No matter how far you've run, no matter how far you strayed. this is a nation who turned their back literally on God and worshipped outright another God. And he's pursuing them. And he took them through hard times, but it was so that he could bring them back to him. And you know, it wasn't just the nation of Israel, but this is what God did for all of humanity. Through Jesus Christ. He chased us down. We couldn't get there on our own. We were walking far from God, and he sent his only son into this world as a perfect, holy sacrifice to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. He chased you down, even at the cost of the life of his own son, so that you could have forgiveness and be in relationship with him. It says in Joshua, I, re, I love this verse and I've, we've got a portion of it hanging up and it's, it's in a lot of homes in America, which is good, or maybe all over the world. But this statement that Joshua makes, and, and uh, actually let me go there and, and read it for you because I just think it's an incredible passage, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, and here's what Joshua says in verse 14. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him. Wholeheartedly, put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors, the ones they served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And in our home, we make that a declaration. If you're going to be in this house, you're going to serve the Lord. You don't have a choice. You serve the Lord. And this is just a side note for parents. Stop giving your kids choices when they live in your house of whether they're going to go to church, whether they're going to read their Bible, whether they're going to. you, You tell them, this is what you need to do today. I'm telling you. The word of God and the words of God in his word will impact their hearts more than your attitude of, well, you'll figure it out one day. You can't allow a child. It's not that it's always their choice. Every one of us have a choice of whether or not we're going to allow the words of God to penetrate us. But in my house, you're going to hear the Bible. We're going to do family devotions. We're going to pray together. We're going to read together because it's important to me and it's going to be important to you. And one day you may leave and you may choose to do something else. And you're going to have to come to that bridge where you say, choose today who you're going to serve. And maybe they're going to make a decision and they're going to go the wrong way. But it's not because they didn't hear it in my home. It's not going to be because I gave them a choice too early when they didn't have brain capacity to make the right choice. We need to be adamant about that. Choose today. For me and my house, we're going to serve. Do not waver. Do not allow your loyalties to be divided between God and the world, because you'll just be un- unstable in everything you do. And Elijah prayed, and the, immediately, listen, when you're connected with God, when your loyalties in the right place, when your faith is in God, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. There's a show. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the uh, Kishon Valley. And killed them. No one's gonna die today. Not from my doing. <laughs> but we have to, we have to, have to, have to, have to stop and think and contemplate. Who am I gonna serve? Because I tell you, it, you know, it, God doesn't quite work the same as He did in the Old Testament. Praise the Lord. Through Jesus Christ, he has made a new way. He's got a new plan of salvation. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. And that's the simple plan of salvation. That that faith just comes from, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to confess you with my mouth. I'm going to believe in my heart wholeheartedly that you are Lord. And I am just going to make a decision right now. It's you 100% that I serve. Don't waver, savor the flavor of serving the Savior. Let me pray for us. God, I pray for your love to surround us today, that your spirit would be heavy in this place even now, God. We've got decisions to make. Some have been in here for maybe part of this church and church downtown for years, and now they're just getting connected with Church United, Lord. No matter where they're at, God, we know we all need you, and we all know that there are things that we're thinking of, Lord, that allow our faith to waver. We all realize that our loyalties sometimes are divided between God and the world. God, we do not desire to be unstable in everything we do. So I pray that we would heed the words of James. We'd heed the words of your prophet Elijah, and we would make a choice. your, Your prophet Joshua, Lord, that we would make a choice. That today, Lord, whether whether we've fully been in the camp of God at one point and we've kind of wandered out, Lord, or we never really, or we realize we've never been fully in there, God, no matter where we're at, we've got choices to make to say, today we decide who we're going to serve. Because we're not doing the, the kingdom of God any favors by saying we're serving you, but we don't. The world watches us and they think, I've got the same thing, but less torture and less guilt. And I don't have to go to church on Sunday. But Lord, the world needs to see people that are fully committed to you and sold out and are not wavering in their faith, but absolutely believe what you have done for them. How you love them, how you've saved them, how you've redeemed, how you've restored. So God, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in here that's never made a commitment to follow you, Lord, that it's as simple as that. It's fully, fully faith. If we confess with our mouth believe in our heart. So that belief in our heart, Lord, is what we're talking about right now. That someone would say, I believe, I believe in my heart that you are Lord. And then, may we take an opportunity, God, to confess with our mouths. So as we have people standing at our prayer banner, Lord, this morning that would love to talk with anyone, God as we sing this last song as we stand together and we worship Lord may you allow your spirit to work and move in our hearts today that you would cause us to need to respond right now And there may be some that they just need to spend a little bit of time, God. There's a place up here where they can kneel or they can spin in their chair, Lord, and they can can just kneel down before you or they can stand and raise their hand and just speak to you as we worship God, but they're making commitments to say, I haven't been fully following you, but I need to get on board with that today. And I need to let go of the things that I've been holding on to so tightly and allow you just to take me fully surrender I am yours. So as we make these decisions today, Lord, again, I know your spirit works and moves. May work and move in our hearts and lives today. We praise you, Jesus.